0: Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll get into today's guest. Welcome, folks. Anthony Taylor here, and this is the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. On our podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders, and that will help in the area of strategy and leadership. And today, I get the pleasure of being joined by Henry Doss. Henry, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm Awesome. I know we connected a little while back. So for our listeners at home, Henry is the author of FQ, Financial Intelligence. He's got a background in entrepreneurship, and I'm just really excited to be able to bring a slightly different perspective to the podcast today. So Henry, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, where you're from, and how you got to where you are now?
1: So I am from, well, I'm a New Yorker who finds himself living in rural Connecticut. So we just moved here in the smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. We bought a house up here in bear country. You know, it's kind of unusual to see um, black bear when you drive down the road, but that's country living. Uh, Last 30 years, I've been a serial entrepreneur. Last 10 which I have been a entrepreneurial coach. And a personal finance coach as well. Yeah, it's kind of my 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 life story um, in a nutshell.
0: Cool. So, why is it important? I mean, money makes the world go round, as we say. Why is it important to be able to have financial intelligence?
1: My dad used to say, "I've been rich. I've been poor. It's sure nice to have money." Financial intelligence, the way I differentiate it is people talk a lot about financial literacy. So I I, I kind of wordsmith that and say, well, what is literacy, your ability to read and write? I know plenty of people who can read and write really, really well that I wouldn't hire to, you know, babysit my dog. It's a lot more to it. You've got to be able to take the data that the world is throwing at you, and there's a ton of it, and um, create some original thought out of it and do uh, apply some critical thinking to managing and growing your money
0: yeah so i know that there's a lot of you know business so and people listening business owners entrepreneurs you know i see a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that are technically good like they're good at what they do they are good at making a widget they're good at selling a widget but they might not have ever learned the the skill of, of of money management and then especially like organizational finance so what are a couple things that business owners, we'll talk to the business owners specifically, need to consider as they're growing and developing their their own capacity for managing
1: money? Well, I, I'm stunned that there's such a lack of intelligence in, in what I consider to be really basic stuff. I don't want to be cavalier about it, but... People don't fundamentally understand the difference between a balance sheet, an income statement, a statement of cash flow. Some of the stuff that's really nuts and bolts. I'm astonished sometimes. So you've got to start at a grassroots level and get an understanding of all of the financial levers within your business. I met a guy a long time ago who was basically old school managing it. If he had money in in their bank account, then we must be making money. I kid you not. The whole concept of accounts receivable, accounts payable, contingent liabilities, all this technical stuff. Now I'm not asking you to be a guru and a CPA. You can hire people to do that, right? But you have to have a basic understanding. I'm talking about stuff that's fundamental. And then you gotta go from there. A friend of mine told me probably 40 years ago, he said, look, you can analyze almost any company by looking at two things, cash flow and gross margin. It's an oversimplification, but I even have it on one of my type forms when people come in to, to set up a, a, strategy, a strategy session. And um, I ask, what is, what's your gross margin? And the last answer is WTF gross margin. And I've had people actually check that off when they come in that's not acceptable to me i'm sorry i know i'm old school but you got to know these things you can't run a business without it
0: okay so given that obviously you know there's obviously a section of the population and probably a pretty good one that i mean if they're talking to you that they don't know these things like what are some of the things that you're like okay let's let's say you're you're a layman and you want to understand this like what are some of the concepts either within your book or that you know you start at a foundational level for people to build on and that will help them build uh, a stronger company long term
1: well my my book is geared towards personal finance so i use some corporate finance stuff you know as a model but it's really more uh, a balance sheet would be the equivalent of a statement of net worth right how many what kind of assets do you have what kind of liabilities do you have right a PL is pretty much a L, but there are things that go on in in corporate finance like depreciation and all sorts of other stuff That, you know, if if you're a real estate investor in your personal portfolio, sure, you might bump up against it. But nine out of 10 people are are never going to see that in their personal world. They're really two species of uh, two distinct species of the same genus, I guess, is what it is. The personal and financial, uh, the personal and the business side of it with a lot of commonality as an entrepreneur, you're, you're playing the straddle, right? You're managing your business finances in one way, and then you, it bleeds over into your personal financial situation. So a lot of situations um, that come up have to do with what's the most efficient way for me to take money out of my company. How do I do that in the most tax advantaged way? right? There are situations, depending on how you structure your company, where you'll end up with double taxation. That's not good, right? You don't want double taxation. It's Bad enough for most people that they get single taxation, no less double. So I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I think it's important for people to understand that you need to have a well-rounded knowledge in both disciplines. And the, the benefit of it is, is that eighty to 90% of it is pretty much the same. Does that make sense? Yeah I kind of went around the circles a little bit but that's just the way my brain works.
0: Yeah. So as so if we think of the entrepreneur and then we understand that, that you know getting that basic financial knowledge of understanding and and we're looking at the individual at this point understanding cash flows understanding a word minimizing tax that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you've been able to build up your business to a point, maybe you're making a couple million dollars. And obviously, like people have, or I, I imagine people have financial advisors because I get, you know, dozens of financial If
1: advisors. you're making a couple million bucks, you should.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> what are what are some, for
1: the business owner clients
0: that you deal with, what are some of the really big considerations that they should be thinking about as they're moving forward, as they're growing their business and as they evolve in their financial capabilities, I guess is the question.
1: Well, if you look at the business itself as its own little organism, right? You could almost go so far as talking about corporate personhood, right? You when you go get an EIN number, it's the functional equivalent of a social security, you're kind of spawning a new, a new entity. Right. And it has a life of its own. And you kind of need to treat it as such. Yet you are attached to it, obviously, by this financial umbilical cord. Hmm. I think it's imperative for people to look at it as a universe. There's all this money and these money flows back and forth between the two. And you need to you know, you need to look at the distinct money silos and manage those. I don't expect people to be an expert on every facet of, you know, corporate finance. Hardly. That's what you hire. Like you said, financial professionals, CPAs, bookkeepers, et cetera. But it's incumbent upon you to manage them. I know from my own personal experience, every time I've abdicated responsibility to a so-called professional without providing guidance, things have gone badly. Mm. And I'm going to be able to provide better guidance to them if I have some basic level of financial intelligence, right? It just makes you a better leader, makes you a better entrepreneur. This is something that I'm constantly hammering home to my clients. Some of them are whizzes with their numbers. But I would say on a whole, one out of five, maybe, would be a whiz and knows every little thing. Sometimes it gets to the point where they're so involved in the finance that they're missing other parts of their business. It's like, hang on a second. You're not the CFO of this company. You might be acting as one, but that's not your primary job, right? You're the you're the owner, you're the co-founder, right? You're the CEO, whatever. And if you spend all your time like King Midas in there hoarding your your shekels, uh, you're gonna miss a lot of stuff that's going on in the business. So sometimes I gotta pull them back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a smaller group of the population that has deep financial knowledge, and then for the most part, you know, people are are we'll call it average or or pretty good. Um, I would we, say
1: below average,
0: to to be honest.
1: It, but I'm a, but I am a tough grader.
0: So so, <laughs> what are the top like two or three things that business owners need to consider in order to be able to improve their next and uh, to their overall
1: performance? Are you really? we'll keep this really basic. Are you really making money? Right. I mean, are you making money in a sustainable way? right? I talked about margin. Um, my first business was in the um, IT business. I actually started as an Apple-valuated reseller back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s when such a thing really existed, long before Apple was the juggernaut that it is today and all the Apple stores and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I noticed uh, what I call mar- margin erosion or margin compression, each year that went by, there was less and less margin in our business, in the hardware side of our business. In addition to that, we were we were growing and we grew it all the way up to a $4 million company. So even though my top line was growing, I actually was making less money because my margins were going away. That's not a formula for sustainable success. It just isn't. Do you want to recognize that after it's too late or before when you can still, something, where you can still do something about it, right? We right. want to be proactive. We want to make proactive decisions. There's an old saying, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? But there's also another wonderful idiom, ignorance is bliss, right? So you may not think it's broken because you're making some money and by all outward appearances, things look hunky-dory when the truth is it's not, And you need to recognize that or you need to hire professionals to help you recognize that because there's danger lurking around every corner. You know that. So one of the things being margin
0: erosion, then how do you figure out if you're is it you know, is there a specific process that you go through? Is it just making sure that you you check your your margins?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that not that hard. Say say to your accountant, I need a report. I need to see where, where, where my gross margins and my net margins are.
0: Got that. Right. Okay. Gross margin
1: being you know, the taking out cost of goods, right? Net margin being taking in all the other ancillary expenses that go along with it. Yeah. It's not hard to figure out. I did it year after year and I saw one to two percent erosion. Now again, we're talking about a low margin business. So we were in the twenties and ten years later we're down in the single digits.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So what is something else that from a business owner perspective that you might have experienced yourself, what is something else that business owners have to be aware of, even if they have somebody that is looking after their financials. For example, I had an accountant who was supposed to be looking after my financials and my business partner was taking money out of our company. So I wasn't, I didn't have the financial savvy to actually be aware of what was going on. So what are some of those like risks or traps that business owners might not see in their financial planning? We'll go
1: for Well, you know, but malfeasance or embezzlement, some people are really good at it. And it's it's can be tough to uh it can be tough to see. I shouldn't joke because I've been the victim of it myself. So you can't, you know, you can't be you can't be a constant watchdog or anything like that. That gets difficult to manage over the course of time. There's a couple parts of the of the financial equation. One is one that I that I talk about a lot with. With clients, is credit facilities, right? So make sure that you have ample cash available, you know, not only for a rainy day, but for situations where sometimes you get a growth spasm and cash gets tight. So you need to have those credit facilities in place before you need them, right? People say, why should I go out and get a half million dollar line of credit for my business? I don't need it. Right. It's like, yeah, but the day may come when you do need it. And when you need it is not the time that you should go out into the world trying to find it, because that's when you will not get it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, mean, I have clients who, who have, you know, seven figure credit lines that they never touch. And that's great. That's good. That means they're managing their business well. But it's nice knowing that it's there. The, the other side of the equation, and I've been a victim of this, of my own fault, is don't be a bank. Unless, unless you're a bank, unless the business you're running is a bank, don't act like a bank, right? Collections is tough for people. Uh, I have a phrase I say, you can't wear the gray hat. If you're a small entrepreneur, right, running a single-digit headcount business, and, you know, there can be big businesses. You We, we had a $4 million business with a headcount of five right so it can it can be done but sometimes people are too liberal with their credit terms because they want the business and then uh, the situation kind of pivots on them and all of a sudden they're owed a ton of money and it's net 60 and it's net 90 and it's net 120 and before you know it you're giving your clients interest free loans that is a trap i see over and over and over and over again sometimes no business is better than bad business okay that's that. a tough that's a tough one for people to swallow sometimes i had a client a uh, number of years ago A very interesting paradox. He had all these micro clients. So these were people who started when his company was very little, and they were paying way below the going rate. One client was paying 10 percent of what the rack rate was at the time for their SaaS services. Right. When you say rack rate, you mean meaning if the current rate is two thousand dollars a month, this this particular client was paying two hundred dollars a month. Oh, okay. I, I I said, we did an analysis, a big a big spreadsheet of it. They were leaving significant five figures on the table with all of these customers. And, and the, the issue was, well, you know what? His argument back to me was these people were back when we first started. They took a chance on us. And I feel bad now, all of a sudden, just raising them up to today's rates now that we're a much bigger company. And I get that. I appreciate the loyalty, but you still need to create a roadmap because I said, if you fired these clients, these $200 a month clients, you'd be making money hmm. because the cost to service them was actually greater than what you were charging them, right? It's costing you $500 a month or $800 a month to service a client who's paying you $200 a month. At least get them neutral. Right? I mean, isn't that reasonable? Come up with a roadmap. So what I hear in a couple
0: of key themes here, because I know we sort of bounce between the business finance, the personal finance. I bounce
1: around. That's what I do. You know that.
0: (laughs) Well, and, and trying to look at hey what are some of those key considerations for business owners and i really heard it under under three the, three themes and we're most probably look at just like top line revenue and bottom line profits because those are the easiest to track oh, really? but then just like you would do sort of a, a, a organizational review or a strategic plan review that it's important to review to your finances like with your accountant if you're not doing it but looking at and i heard three things margins most most notably your yep. accounts payable and your accounts receivable. And you don't need to be a genius about it, but you do need to have enough understanding to be able to look at the trends. So say over a couple of years, what are our payment terms? How much is it costing us to being able to service this business? How much is it costing us to be able to like maintain the business? How much money, even just like money in money out, we're borrowing money to run the operations. We're funding our customers. Some people have you know turnover of two, three, four, five, ten million four, five, $10 million a year. Like that cash yeah. conversion cycle can be a killer and it erodes those margins. So there anything that I missed in terms of that summary?
1: No, you, you hit that. The, and and the, the the thing that's really important to recognize in this, if, in case people get scared, like, oh, my God, this all of this stuff is crazy. You learned everything that you need to know on how to do this probably by the sixth grade, right? I mean, this is not calculus or differential <laughs> equations or rapid algebra. It's not. If you can add, subtract, multiply, and divide, you can do pretty much all the work that's necessary to get the data that you need. Don't, don't be intimidated by it because it can be very intimidating. Remember, as we started the conversation, you're in this to make money. Even if you are a philanthropic business, you have to make money to pay people, right? The so, more money you make, the better people you can hire and the better business you can do.
0: So I know you said don't be intimidated. My wife and I joke that we say just don't be sad. Oh, okay. So uh, thanks. I didn't <laughs> just don't that. be sad. Just don't be sad. So take uh, it till like, you make it, right? <laughs> uh, what can what can you know? Some steps if you're saying, hey, you're trying to improve your financial in like your FQ, your financial quotient, financial intelligence, what are like two to three steps that you recommend to, to all the people, like when you do seminars and stuff, what do you recommend to people as, as starting points? Just like one thing you can do to improve your, your financial confidence.
1: There's so many resources out there. If you like videos, go find videos, right? I was talking to one of my clients about uh, doing Monte Carlo simulations. I don't want to bore Folks, with what those are, but those are essentially you do five thousand iterations of a scenario changing variables, and you can calculate certain things. Uh, Financial planners will use it to determine if you've got enough money to to retire and and not run out by the time you know you die. So he didn't know what a Monte Carlo simulation did, but he found some stuff on on the on the internet and learned himself up. If you like videos. Go find them, go on YouTube. There's tons of them out there. Find somebody that you like. There's probably a zillion guys out there who can explain what a balance sheet is. If you don't like videos, if you like to read stuff, there's books, there's other resources. The the world is just awash with knowledge and data, just waiting for you to come, to come and get it. And, but stylistically, everybody has different learning styles. I'm a, I'm a, a word learner right? I learn by reading stuff. I'd much rather read some, something than watch a five-minute video, you know, except when I'm trying to fix my dishwasher and I need somebody to show me the process, the steps I need to follow. Then I go on YouTube and I find the guy with the plumber's crack and I save a couple hundred bucks fixing my dishwasher the old-fashioned way. It's all out there. You have to have the want and the desire and you have to see the need for it in your business. It's easy to just shrug it off and say, hey, you know what? We're doing fine. I don't need to to go crazy about figuring out all of these numbers. And that will work until it doesn't.
0: I got that. So I think one of the key things that I'm taking away, Henry, is, you know, for any business owner, any entrepreneur, anybody who is interested in improving their financial ability and capability, that there's information out there, it's a matter of making it a practice, like all things. If you want to get healthier, practice healthy healthy eating. If you want to get stronger, practice going to the gym. If you want to make more money, practice good money habits, develop your muscle of being able to attract money, of course, but also like keep it. If you can't keep a thousand dollars, you won't be able to keep 10,000. You'll be able to keep 10 million and there's enough money out there to keep you going. And then in terms of practical things, you know, for any business owner, stick to the basics, look at your accounts payable, accounts receivable, cash flow margins, you know, develop the ability to interpret those financial statements and you'll be in a much better position when it comes to tax time, when it comes to financial planning time, and then eventually, you know, when you do hire that person to take on that full responsibility in your organization, you'll be speaking the same language. So
1: Exactly. And then you'll be able to manage them and you'll have a nice, you know, calm, nurturing relationship, yeah, right? Exactly. which is what we want. We want things to be calm in the entrepreneurial world because they generally are not. They're chaotic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, um, I know you are were, were on a bit of a time crunch today. Uh, tell me, uh, tell our listeners where they can get your book, a little bit about your book and where they can uh, get a hold of you.
1: So uh, the simplest place is to go to my personal website, Henry Das, H-E-N-R-Y-D-A-A-S. If you misspell it, you'll still get there uh, because people misspell my name all the time. It has links to my coaching site, my FQ site, all sorts of personal stuff that I do. Right on on the homepage is a link to download my book for free from Book Baby. I give you a coupon, you'll get an email with a coupon for 100% off. So I get lots and lots of people who download my book. Bezos is the only one who makes money from books. So I'm happy to give it away for people to learn from it. There's, it's a monstrously large 432 page book. It's it's specifically personal finance. But like I said earlier, 80 to 90% of it applies to um, business finance as well. And all you got to do is have the desire to read it right and go through it and do it. It's not really not that hard. You know, I was talking to somebody years and years ago and I said, you know, all those all those exercise videos that they sell, like P90X and blah, blah, blah. I, I challenged them. I said, you know, every single one of those works. I've actually tried a few of them and they work. You'll get in shape. What it can't do is get your Cheetos eating ass off the couch that it can't do. Only you can do that. Well, there we go. So, uh, I don't know. How was that say- for sucking all the air out of the room? <laughs> uh, that's that's really something,
0: but. Uh- Thank you, Henry. I appreciate that. I think it really gives people at least a place they can take next and on their journey for financial development and financial understanding. So thank you for that. We put a link to the book in the in the chat. Also, if you are interested, please do connect with Henry on LinkedIn. So thanks, everyone. Uh, appreciate you joining us today on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Our next uh, event happening live is going to be October twenty first. We're putting on a diversity and inclusion summit so if that's something you're interested in be sure to check us out there and once again our guest today henry das who is the author of fq financial intelligence so thanks so much for joining us today this has been the strategy and leadership podcast my name is anthony taylor thanks so much and we'll see you next time thanks so much for listening to today's episode Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. If you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course on top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community the course is only four 95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for hundred dollars off course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for
1: listening and we'll catch you next time.